Thank you for listening to this sermon from Renaissance Church located in Montreal, Quebec. For more information about Renaissance Church, please visit our website, renaissancemtl.com. If you would like to know more about how you can partner up to see the gospel advance in Montreal, please send us an email at renaissance.mtl at gmail.com. to be back. I was a little bit under the weather last week, and we had a bit of an unusual week. Um, I was not feeling too hot, and again, some of the symptoms are still kind of lingering. Like I said, I have this ear infection and can't hear, so if I just start yelling at you for no reason, it's not because I'm mad. It's just because I can't hear properly. Um, but anyway, it is, uh, it is a pleasure to be with you guys here to, today. Uh, if you're new, want to say welcome, and uh, we're glad to have you here today. Um, as we begin, I want to say uh, today it is my deep desire that the gospel would be loudly proclaimed, our hearts would genuinely praise our Lord, and we would desperately see our need for a Savior and find our lives transformed by Jesus Christ. And I hope you will, will join me in that today. Um, today, we are wrapping up our series called Healthy Church. Um, yeah, someone shared. Um, in this series, what we've been doing is we have been exploring a few characteristics that make up healthy churches, right? So uh, what we've been going through, it's not like a, a completely like exhaustive list of what it means to be a healthy church. But these are some qualities and structures that we see from Scripture. So, so what we've been looking at are uh, church membership. We've been looking at church leadership. And what we're going to be exploring today is church planting. Um, one of the main ideas that we've been seeing throughout this series is that when these structures are in place and are functioning as they ought to, uh, that healthy churches exist. And so as a church, we want to develop people in this church so that we have healthy church members, we have healthy leaders, and we have healthy planters so that we exist as a healthy church. <clears throat> um, again, today, what we're going to be exploring are is that how healthy churches plant churches. Uh, two main points that I want us to see from our text today uh, is, are, are, are these. Number one, healthy church plants are sent and healthy church plants are beautifully messy. Healthy church plants are sent and healthy church plants are beautifully messy. We're going to unpack those a little bit as we go uh, through our text today. Uh, I'm going to begin by reading our text uh, if you have a Bible, I'd invite you to follow along. Romans 10 is where we're going to be for today. Romans 10. Uh, so if you don't have a Bible, in the back table at the Connect table, we do have some for you. Uh, you can feel free to, to grab one of those. Um, and if you do not own one, uh, feel free to take that home with you. Uh, or it will also be on the screen here as well. So Romans 10 is where we're going to be for today. We're going to begin in verse 14. <clears throat> Here's what it says. It says, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. We're going to pray and we'll get into our text for today. Um, God, as we 
hear your word preached today. Would you soften our hearts? Would we be receptive to hear your word? Would we be obedient to follow what it says? Um, would we have a, a deep desire to share the gospel with those in our lives? Um, would you be uh, transforming this church so we are a, a church that sends and, and, and plants many churches in, in Montreal? Um, and we just thank you for Jesus, your son. We pray this all in your name. Amen. All right. We're going to dive right in here. Um, as we are talking about this idea of church planting, we want to begin by answering the simple question, what is church planting, right? If you've been around church for a while, you may be familiar with this term. If you have not, uh, then it might be a little bit of a foreign term, right? Church planting, what is that? So essentially, all it is, is starting churches, right? It's the genesis of a church. Today, it is often the act of sending out people from the church to begin meeting in a new location as a local body of believers. But all we're really talking about is the startup of a church. And so, if you really think about it, though, uh, every church that has ever existed was at one point a church plant, right? Every church has had a beginning. Even churches that have rocky origins, whether through intentional or unintentional beginnings, all churches started at some point as a plant. So, for example, a church split. We wouldn't really often think of that as a church plant, but you might have a church split where one church ends up dividing over some issue. Often in a church split, half the church decides we don't like what's going on here, and we're gonna, going to set up our own church down the street with new leaders, uh, and we're going to do church better than the other church was doing, right? And so for better or for worse, a new church may be formed and thus becomes a church plant. Whether or not it is a healthy church plant, that is another issue. Um, church plants also may be a result of the church scattered due to persecution. This is what we see in the early church in the book of Acts. So Acts 8 says this. It says, And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Immediately after this, what do we see, though? Well, we see that the gospel is, thread, it is spread to, to Samaria, and then it goes south to Gaza. It then goes north to Caesarea and then to Ethiopia. And the rest of the book of Acts, it tracks as the gospel is, thread, is spread. Sorry, the ear thing, I'm sure, is why I can't speak. It's spread around the world. Uh, and communities of believers begin to gather as the church. So churches are planted as a result of the scattered, persecuted church. So church planting is a result of believers willingly or unwillingly relocating, congregating, and sharing the gospel. However, given these three situations, right, intentional sending, church splits, and persecution, I think it's fair to say that one of these ways is more ideal way of planting, right? And that's what we're going to be focusing on today is, is, is intentionally sending people to plant churches. Um, so as we get into things 
First thing I want us to see is that healthy church plants are sent. Healthy church plants are sent. This is something that we see throughout Scripture is our call to, to, to go as, as believers, is to be sent, to share the gospel with people. One of the most famous passages about this is the Great Commission in Matthew 28. These are some of Jesus' final words before he leaves earth. This is what he says to his disciples. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And so as Christians, our call is to be sent. Right? It is to go. It is to make disciples. It is to baptize. It is to teach God's word. And it is a promise that God will be with us. This is not a passage directed at elite Christians, if there were such a thing, right? This is a call to all who profess faith in Jesus. Go, share the good news of Jesus. And Paul expands on this idea in our passage from today in Romans. He says, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have not never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent. To summarize what Paul is saying here, he's basically telling them, hey, how is anyone going to believe if we don't go and tell them? How is anyone to know Jesus if we don't go and share the gospel with them? Let me challenge us today with Paul's words and his attitude here. Is this our posture towards our neighbors, our family, and our friends? How will they hear about Jesus if I don't tell them? How will my friends become saved if I don't share the gospel with them? How will this neighborhood be transformed to be like Jesus if I don't share the love that he has for them? How are they going to know? This is an attitude that says we must go. And this is not, an, uh, it's not because we are told that we have to, but because there is no greater news than this. Everyone needs to hear this. Everyone ought to know about what Jesus has done for them. You might be thinking, why send people away, right? This seems kind of counterintuitive, right? Aren't we supposed to grow as a church, not split up? Uh, I want to share this with you. This is from a pastor in North Carolina named J.D. Greer. Uh, he wrote this book called Gaining by Losing. It's probably one of the most influential books that I've read. Um, it is a book about church planting and sending the church into ministry. Uh, he writes this in one of his chapters. He says, when Christ calls any of us to follow him, he says, whether he is speaking to us as individuals or to our churches and ministries, he bids us come and die. It is not through our successes that God saves the world, but through our sacrifice. He calls us first to an altar, not a platform. His way of bringing life to the world is not by giving us numerical growth and gain that enriches our lives and exalts our name. His way is by bringing resurrection out of death. We live by losing. We gain by giving away. What we achieve by building our personal platform will never be as great as what God achieves through what we give away in faith. Being sent is a form of dying. It is dying to my comforts, my preferred way of church. It's saying, 
it may be nice here, but God, how will they believe if we don't go? Right? Sure, I like it here. The coffee's great. I have amazing friends here. The pastor is unbelievably funny. Right? But let me die to the comforts in this world because there are people that need to hear about Jesus. So die to your comfortability because you will gain far much more when we are satisfied in Christ. I've had the, the privilege uh, of being able to be a part of a couple churches that have planted other churches. Um, and in each situation, the churches grew after people were sent. So before we moved here, uh, my family and I, we were a part of a church in Winnipeg called Renaissance. Uh, that church had one leader who was doing nearly 100% of the work of the church. So he preached, he led worship, he did uh, the majority of the day-to-day -day work of the church. And when he left, what he did was he installed another elder uh, and two deacons. Another member of the church ended up leading worship out of necessity. And yet another member joined the board and began, in, began doing the church finances. So at least five people were drawn into positions of serving and using their gifts in the church where they had not previously served. So the church gained immensely because they sent. Church, we are not in that different of a situation here. Right? If you've been around for more than six months, you may know that the form, former pastor, James, was doing a lot here. He was leading worship. He was doing the bulk of the preaching. He, uh, he was doing much of the day-to-day -day responsibilities of the church. And so maybe we are in a season of gaining by losing. Because what I've seen from the church is many people step up into positions that they have not done in the past because it is a need of the church. We have any Ire, Funke, and Ray Ray lead worship for us, which they were not doing in the past because it is now needed. We just had three people become members and say, hey, this is my home. These people are my family, and I'm committing to love and to serve them. And last week, we installed three new deacons, people who we recognized as serving in the church, now formally have been put into a servant position at Renaissance, and have said, whatever is needed, let me step up and do that. I'm sure I can get into to many more examples. However, the point I want to make is this. It may feel though, as though sending is a scary thing. Right? We lose when we send. A part of us dies when we send. But as Christ works through us in the difficulty, we gain. We become more Christ-like when we serve in a way that says, God, whatever you need. Let me remind us of, of what the book of James says about difficulties. We just finished going through this as a church. He says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect. That you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Sending may be difficult, but healthy churches, church plants are sent. Next thing I want us to see is that healthy church plants are beautifully messy. They're beautifully messy. What do, I, what do I mean by that? Let's look at the second part of verse 15. It says this. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. So the picture that we have here 
is a messenger who is delivering good news to some people. Let me give us a little bit of context, though. So this is actually a quote from a passage in the Old Testament book of Isaiah. And what it talks about is God redeeming his people from bondage. He's freeing them from slavery in Egypt and Assyria. And so the, the picture is a messenger delivering the news of their freedom to the people. It says, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. What is the obvious concern here, right? How, how beautiful actually are the feet of those who preach good news? They're probably not beautiful at all, right? Put yourself in their shoes, pun intended. Someone who delivers the good news that they are free, their people are free, are, are probably running, right? They're probably going a long distance. There's likely a journey that they're going on to tell the people of their freedom. So what do their feet look like? They're probably tired, they're filthy, bruised, calloused, scraped, and ugly. They don't have nice shoes back in that day. There, there are no hokas for them to run in, the most comfortable shoe that's ever existed. Um, they, they, they don't have those shoes, right? I used to run a little bit. Even in the most comfortable shoes, I would often get a few blisters. And they don't have shoes like that, right? So their feet are the most beat-up part of their body. This is like saying, how beautiful is the face of a boxer following his fight, right? So it is not their physical appearance that makes them beautiful. What is it then that makes them so beautiful? What makes them so beautiful is the message that they came to deliver. It is the lengths that they went to to deliver the message. The beating their feet took didn't matter for the message was worth it. The pain that their feet endured running paled in comparison to the news that they were sharing. After all, they're free. Right? They're no longer slaves. And this message is what we must share with everyone. It's not that we share this because we've been commanded to. It's that we share because the message is so amazing to us. Amazing enough that whatever it costs us, it doesn't matter. Um, in the book of Acts, there's a story where Peter and John heal a man. And they begin to preach to the people who witness the miracle. And, and this angers the religious leaders. They, they're not happy with them about this. And so they arrest Peter and John. And they bring him into court. And it says that they acknowledge the miracle... Right? But they detest the message that they're sharing. And so this is what they decide to tell John and Peter. It says, so they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. Would that be the attitude that we have, church? We cannot but help but share the good news of Jesus. It doesn't matter what it costs us. Throw us in prison. Make fun of us to our face. Beat us. Ridicule us. It doesn't matter. We cannot help but share this news with people. The Christian life is beautifully messy. It is beautifully messy because we will get rejected. There will be people who don't want to hear the message. You may be threatened, hurt, rejected, and so on, but the message you have is worth it. You are free from bondage, and others can be too through faith in Jesus. That message is worth the messiness. 
Here's what that might mean for you today. Here's what the good news is, that you are free from slavery. If you are here, and maybe you're someone who's a little bit more of a, a rule follower, maybe you're more of the religious type, you are, you, you are free from trying to earn your salvation. You no longer need to enslave yourself by trying to be good enough for God because you cannot be good enough for God. God loves you as you are, and the reason we know that is because he sent his son Jesus to die on your behalf. No matter how hard you try, you will never be as good as Jesus. But knowing that Jesus has done enough on your behalf should free you from trying to be good enough. Come as you are. You are accepted through faith in Christ. Maybe you are on the, the other side of things here. Maybe you're not the rule follower. You're the rule breaker. Happiness for you is found in the pursuit of pleasure. And if that's you, let me say this. Whatever is promising happiness and fulfillment in your life cannot provide. Maybe that's your relationship. Maybe that's more money, a better job, uh, drugs, drinking, sex. Those things all promise satisfaction and they cannot deliver. That is why we get in this, stuck in this cycle of going back to them over and over. They leave us empty. Christ has freed you from enslavement to those things. You cannot fill spiritual emptiness with material things. Right? Only God can mend spiritual brokenness. And through faith in Jesus, you are free from the bondage of sin. That is good news worth sharing. Wherever you're at today, Believer, non-believer, rule follower, rule breaker. This is what Jesus did for you to free you from enslavement. Jesus was sent for us. This is why we send. Right? Because God sent Jesus for us. Jesus came to earth in the form of a man to live like one of us and to announce the good news that the kingdom of God was at hand. Therefore, to be a follower of Jesus is to be sent like Jesus. This is another quote from J.D. Greer. He says, Our God is ascending God. He sent his best into the world to save us. Jesus is referred to as sent 44 times in the New Testament. After his resurrection, Jesus passed on his identity to his disciples. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. To follow Jesus is to be sent. Jesus' command to every disciple is to go. And we may not all go overseas, but we are all to be going. He continues, and this is a bit of a strong word. He says, this, this means that if you are not going, you are not a disciple. And church leader, if the people in our churches are not going, we are not doing our jobs. A church leader can have a large church with thousands of people attending, but if people are not going from it outside the camp to pursue the mission and call of Christ, those leaders are delinquent in their duty. This is a tough, tough word for you and I, but it is vital for us to see that we send because we have a God that sent his son for us. Not only was Jesus sent, his life was beautifully messy. Jesus came into the world into a poor family. His life wasn't sipping on $5 lattes. It was washing feet, healing the sick, caring for the widow and the orphan. Jesus got into the muck. 
He embraced the mess. He was ridiculed. He was dragged into the courts. He was betrayed. He was beaten. He was nailed to a cross, completely innocent. And he was left there to die. All for the message that he came to deliver. And on the cross, he faced the wrath of God for our sins. On the cross, he dealt with our mess. How beautiful are the feet of the one who brings good news. The Savior's had a nail driven through his. His feet, his life was beautifully messy. It was messy because he took on our mess. It was beautiful because his sacrifice on the cross satisfied God's wrath. We know this because of the empty tomb. We know this because he is alive and living in those who put their faith in him. Their sins are forgiven. They are free from bondage and their lives are transformed by God's spirit. That is good news that is worth sharing and worth planting churches for. Let me wrap up with this. How does church planting relate to our church today? How does this relate to to Renaissance? Uh, Some of you may know, but my own personal story uh, of coming to faith is in Jesus is from a church plant. Um, I came to to know Jesus because someone had just moved to my hometown, Winnipeg, and and started uh, a church plant. Um, And at that time, I did not know Jesus, and and someone shared the good news with me because they thought, how will he know if no one tells him? And it was and continues to be a beautiful, messy journey. I provide the messiness, and Jesus continues to produce the beautiful parts. Um, Melissa and I moved here about eight years ago to help in the early stages of this church plant. Um, this church was planted about nine years ago by a dear friend of mine, someone who, who decided it was worth it to come to Montreal and share the good news with people here. They thought, how will they believe if no one tells them? Some of you here today have had your lives changed as a result of people sharing the gospel with you from this church plant. So what does church planting look like moving forward for Renaissance? Well, this church is a church that planted, has planted once before and hopes to plant again in the future one day. You may know of a church in TMR called Voyage Church. They were once a part of this church here. And some, uh, some people were sent out to help plant their church. In addition, we currently support a, a partner in Newfoundland named Curtis Rogers. Some of you may know him. He recently passed an assessment to become a church planter, and he plans on planting a church this year. Um, we may be involved in, in a trip to visit him this year and see how we can come alongside of what God is doing in his life and in his neighborhood as he seeks God's call on his life to plant a church in Newfoundland. We also want to continue to, to plant churches here in Montreal. I recently heard uh, that the average church size in Montreal is about 50 people. It's 50 people. That means that we are basically a part of an average church in Montreal. Therefore, Lord willing, it, it may not take too much more growth until we say, it's about time to send some people to start a new church. Now, that may not happen this year, uh, but if we want to see God reach people in Montreal, we need to have a Romans 10 attitude that says, how will they believe if we don't send? How will the people of Verdun believe if we don't send? How will the people of Griffintown believe if we don't send? Burgundy, St. Henry, the Southwest and beyond. There's a, a beautiful picture in, in the book of Revelation of the nations worshiping God in heaven. 
The picture is a result of church planting throughout the world. It is a result of God saving lives all over the world because people have been sent. Here's what it says in Revelation 7. It says, After this, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. And so I pray that this church would plant again and that day would come soon. May we not plant because of a split or persecution, but because we have a Romans 10 mindset. How will they believe if we don't go? Thank you for listening to the sermon from Renaissance Church. If you have any questions about the sermon or would like to know more, please feel free to contact us by email at renaissance.mtl at gmail.com or reach out to us on social media. It's our passion to love Jesus, love each other, and love our world.